When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ants. They're organized, industrious, and hungry. But in the undergrowth, there's no such thing as a free lunch. Empires of the Undergrowth is a fast-paced ant colony management game developed by Slug Disco Studios. Underground, you build your nest, construct tunnels, and store food. On the surface, your ants claim territory, gather resources, and clash with other colonies. Head to thenakedscientist.com forward slash empires game for more. Hi everyone, it's Chris Barrow here, back with the Naked Gaming Podcast, and another episode in our series, Monkey Island Discs. What a great name. Yes, we're talking to someone about their favourite games, characters, consoles, and also the game that they'd snap in half and very happily never play again. We did have a short break because we moved house, still no carpet in the living room, but it's all rock and roll in the world of podcasts. Now our guest this time is Kerry Allen, who's the BBC's China media analyst, so she keeps across the changing landscape of China, but it also turns out that she absolutely loves gaming, saying she spends just as much time chasing the intricacies of Beijing's political system as cruising on the beaches of Miami in GTA Vice City. And as usual, we started at the beginning. So I was gaming very, very early in life. My first console was a Commodore 64 and I had a shoebox full of floppy disks that me and my dad <laughs> used to play or my friends used to play. They'd come over to my house and we played games like Lemmings um, that's still quite popular nowadays. The original Prince of Persia game, Bubble Bobble as well, was a game that I really loved playing for ages. Like There were a lot of arcade games that... You couldn't re- you couldn't save games on this console really, so you know you'd really have to kind of have a spurt, kind of put your time in, and if you lost, you lost, and that was it. <laughs> Go and have dinner and come back and play another day. <laughs> With games that didn't save, it really put a lot of jeopardy into your kind of gaming time. It made you play for a lot longer because, like, they've just re-released Castlevania on the. Uh, there used to be a Game Boy Advance game, and I I didn't realize at the time that if you took the battery out, you lost your save, oh <laughs> or gosh. if the batteries ran out, so you <laughs> oh only no. had the life of two AA batteries to try and complete the game, and if you didn't you had to start again but did that make gaming better or more fun for you because i suppose you kind of you had to sort of have your gaming session and that was it then yeah i mean i think i i still find the appeal of arcade gaming nowadays great and actually when i lived in china there were still these old school arcades that you could go to and uh, me and my friends we we would go there and we we loved the idea that you know you stand in front of a game and be like right this is it we'll see how much further we can get this time yeah I think I think this is still something that's actually quite exciting um and yeah no I really love arcade gaming and I kind of wish here in the UK that we had more arcades well tell us a bit about where your interest in Chinese came from because obviously that's a huge part of your life your working life and I just wondered if there was any kind of crossover with gaming because when we played games as kids they they weren't necessarily all in English and especially things like Pokemon you know you could play in different languages 
Yeah, well, Pokemon was a big influence for me. So I did have a Game Boy originally, the original Game Boy, like a not Game Boy Color. And the yeah, chunky I, one. <laughs> the chunky one, the really chunky one. And uh, I had Pokemon Red. My brother had Pokemon Blue. And yeah, that was that was a big influence for me because Asian culture wasn't it didn't really feel that it was a big thing here. And I, things that were Japanese felt very strange and exotic. So, yeah, I, I remember I was as a kid, I was very interested in anime and manga. I used to watch Pokemon on ITV, on SMTV Live as as well. Um, and uh, yeah, no, I, I remember, I mean, these are, this is the days of dial-up internet. I, hmm. I used to, when I was a teenager, go on online and, and try and find out more about other things like Pokemon, so other Japanese cartoons. I mean, we had Dragon Ball Z here as well, so I used to watch a bit of that. And I did think originally that I was going to study Japanese, but... Ah. Um, yeah, Chinese, I, I think I somewhere around university time, I decided I'm, I'd do this instead because I think I'd heard that they were both very similar languages. They had the same roots and uh, China had this huge history and culture that I didn't know much about at all. And I thought, actually, I'll, I'll study this. So, yeah, I think gaming did play a large part and uh, and have a big influence on um, yeah my decision to learn Chinese. It's such an interesting uh, routine and obviously so many people speak Chinese. I mean, I think people forget just how many and how useful a language it actually is as well. Does that mean that now you could play a video game in Chinese and be totally kind of immersed in it? Or do you still find yourself, even now, even with so much experience, kind of translating it and converting it to English and then taking it in? Well, it's it's quite common in China anyway that when you watch TV, you'll see subtitles underneath. Um, Chinese is a tonal language, so um, for people who speak dialects, it helps them. Like It's quite common to see subtitles on any TV show, and it's the same with games. And in fact, actually, before I joined the BBC and I was just looking for... Um, a job when I returned to the UK. I was very much looking at localization jobs because uh, companies like Rockstar offer um, opportunities for translators to be able to work on games. And I thought that was super exciting, the idea that I could I could game and use my language skills at the same time, yeah. <laughs> it's like the dream job. It, yeah, absolutely, yeah. So a lot of games nowadays, you've, um, yeah, you, you will often have subtitles underneath. And uh, because my job involves reading Chinese newspapers all the time, watching Chinese TV. I, I would find playing a Chinese game very much the same as playing an English game. What are some of the favourite games that you've played uh, in the course of your, your gaming life? My favourite game of all time is GTA Vice City. I, uh, I, I was very much into Miami Vice, massively into Miami Vice. So the idea of a GTA game that used Philip Michael Thomas as one of the voice actors... And, uh, yeah, very much kind of immersed you in 80s culture, uh, beautiful Miami scenery, um, 80s music. I, I just find the game, the, it's the ultimate escapism. Particular, and I always return to it in winter when it's really cold because it's literally <laughs> it's a game you can play. But you're in this wonderful sunny setting. It's got a great story. And it's just, for me, it's it's the ultimate game. It's It's not, I would say the more challenging of the GTA games. Yeah. I mean, I think GTA 3 still really holds up and it, it really, it gets really difficult and progressively difficult because the more missions you do, um, there's kind of gangs that come to certain areas. I actually think it's probably one of the more challenging games compared to, say, the more modern ones like GTA 5. Um, I love GTA San Andreas as well because 
it's got such a huge map and so many little side missions. Mm. So yeah, GTA for me has always had a big presence and, and I do obviously love GTA 5 and I'm one of these people that hopes we're going to get a GTA 6 soon, but let's see. <laughs> Stop kidding around, Snake. Is there one game um, that you would never want to play again or you would happily snap the disc in half or, or you know, consign to, I don't know, the fire because it's over over your lifetime, it's not been a great experience? Um, yeah, I think there have been a few. Um, I mean, one game that I played recently that I was actually so disappointed in um, was Dreamfall The Longest Journey, which was the sequel to uh, The Longest Journey, which was uh, originally, this was a game that was excellent. It was, I think it was released in the 90s and it was a click and point game where you've got a female protagonist in this kind of cyberspace world and she can kind of, she realises that she can shift into this kind of fantasy world. So it's kind of got kind of Lord of the Rings influence but also kind of Tomb Raider influence as well. And there was a follow-up to this game and it was... It was more a first person game, so it was it was no longer click and point, like you no longer you were the character instead. And you played as a different character, the original protagonist. She was quite sassy, she had a really good sense of humour, and the game that followed it, it was a completely different character. Um, I found it really didn't stay true to the story and I don't want to give away spoilers but something bad happened to the original character and for me it was such a betrayal of the original game I was just so disappointed at the end of it and I also found as well that it just ended it was too easy for me like compared to the original game where you had to do a lot of thinking and it was a very long drawn out game this game for me was just I was so disappointed so you're happy to never play it again (laughs) not recommended yeah i'm definitely not but at the same time i'm conscious that i have still got the the third game in the series dream four chapters to play and i'm kind of i have been putting off playing it because i'm thinking (laughs) is it going to continue that second terrible story or not (laughs) a dark time for the series and you mentioned that the character from the first game was quite sassy i wanted to ask you if there's any characters in in the world of gaming that you particularly are a fan of or that if you could be them or or perhaps have some of their characteristics yourself that you would take on yeah definitely um i mean i've always enjoyed games with strong female protagonists the idea that you can yeah literally have this like just be this cool sassy woman i mean april ryan in the um the original the longest journey game she was fantastic um also another click and point game i love is siberia and there's a character in that called kate walker that you play as and uh, she's um, she she goes to look into the will of an old toy factory, and it's it's all a very kind of steampunk world. And she gets immersed in this kind of strange kind of story where um, a lot of the characters are these robots that are made out of kind of steam, very kind of steampunk style robots. And um, she goes off on this strange journey to um, yeah, literally Siberia, hence the name of the game. And she's great. I mean, she's very relatable. She's got a lot of personal issues happening while she's um, very career driven. And I think she's fantastic. And then obviously, yeah, Lara Croft is is brilliant. I think a lot of people who have been gaming for the last two or three decades have just, you know, they've definitely seen something in Lara Croft that they see in themselves or they, they kind of want to be her. I mean, I actually think that 
yeah, like Pokemon, she was a big influence for me in kind of going off to China and learning Chinese because it was, she's this big adventurer and she goes to these kind of strange exotic locations and looks at strange languages in tombs. And I, I, I remember thinking that, gosh, that's, that's going to be like me when I go to China. I'm going to be like Lara Croft, go to very strange locations and it's all going to be exotic and very strange and different to anything I've ever done before. Gaming in China recently has been in the news because obviously um, there's been a gaming ban. Well, I call it a ban, but it's sort of like a huge restriction on gaming time for under 18s. Uh, so at the moment, kids can only play on a Friday and weekends and special bank hol- or special holidays as well, which is a bit odd because you think, well, if that means, you know, <laughs> like a national holiday, you're probably supposed to be going outside rather than gaming on your special holiday. Yeah. But uh, what's the situation like with gaming in China? Because you're obviously hooked into that world and it seems like quite restrictive now and I wonder if there's kind of restrictions on the types of games that people can even play and obviously the online world as, as well it's such a huge part of gaming nowadays it must be very controlled yeah so I when I lived in China I remember it was very very common to see on practically every street corner a, a wangba which is literally an internet cafe and you can walk in there and you show your passport to show that you're over 18 and these places were absolutely full of people gaming and they would game for hours on end so gaming was very very popular amongst adults but also I mean China's becoming this huge tech industry um, it, it became increasingly common to me in the kind of yeah, around the 2010s that you would um, you would see very very young children with iPads or tablets and they were playing games on those um, nowadays you've got a lot of people with mobile games I mean when I first moved to China smartphones weren't really a thing I had this tiny little phone where you know you could play snake on it you literally like that was it um, but um, nowadays you've got a lot of people um, developing mobile games um, in a city called Shenzhen in the south of the country that's known as a big kind of tech hub and uh, a lot of people playing these games as well and there there are games that are particularly popular are um, so yeah things like um, these kind of story driven games you play as a character and you kind of choose your own adventure by falling in love with someone these games are quite popular Um, and also yeah um, for over 18s the games that people still play in internet cafes now or they play from their homes um, yeah, the uh, the kind of multiplayer online games, they prove particularly popular. But China is quite restrictive. So Western games aren't particularly banned. There's a huge backlog that prevents them from getting allowed in the country. And you don't have Steam like you do here in the UK or like in most places of the world. Um, so a lot of games have to be authorised by um, companies like Tencent, which is a domestic provider of games and so for that reason because China's super strict on what it allows you don't have um, you know it allows games that it sees that aren't too violent or too pornographic so some of the games that I like like GTA um, they would probably never find a presence in China so um, yeah you wouldn't these are not games that people would play in in internet cafes they'd find that um, they play games that the government first has kind of scoured through and approved and i'm imagining that really limits the amount of independent games that you might come across because whereas one individual and you know we've spoken to some of them on the podcast can make a game almost on their own and self-publish and just go for it and there is a platform i'm guessing that just simply doesn't happen no not at all no you have to get games authorized first by the ministry of information and internet technology and uh, that can be a long 
laborious process and a lot of games nowadays they're waiting in years long queues so there are games that have been made and yeah they can be made very very quickly now in in China um but yeah they they might take years before they actually see an audience because they have to get approval onto platforms they have to get promotion and a lot of that involves working with the state I don't want to drag you into the console war but I do want to ask you if you have a favorite and particularly growing up because you know there was a PlayStation Xbox rivalry that was quite big over the course of my childhood but there was also um you know computer gaming became more and more popular and you know PC gaming I'm talking about really and uh, there's almost this now three-way kind of thing going on obviously there's Nintendo weighing in with the with the Switch and being so popular where do you fall on the uh, on the kind of console PC war so if it was between Xbox and PlayStation, I have always been a PlayStation girl. I had a PS2 back in the day and I'd play wrestling games on it and it was fantastic. I had Crash Bandicoot on it. Um, and uh, yeah, at my parents' house, we have a PS5 now. So uh, yeah, we've been starting to get some of the games on that. So that's great. I've never had an Xbox. Um, but yeah, for me, just just on the basis of like when I was living in China and I was moving around quite a bit and just on the basis that I needed games to hand that, you know, wouldn't necessarily be cut off because of Internet restrictions or, you know, I'd, I'd, I could always rely on them being there. Um, I've always been very loyal to the PC. So I'm actually recording this off of a gaming PC. And yeah, no, a lot of the games that I play nowadays. So I have GTA 5. I've got the PC version. Um, and uh, Two Point Hospital, for example, like which is kind of like a remake of Theme Hospital back in the day, which was a fantastic game. Um, so yeah, I play I play a lot of a lot of my gaming gets done on a uh, on a PC, and I am very much a heavy promoter of PC gaming because I think it's <laughs> I think it's fantastic. <laughs> it is good, but the, the, what I found with PCs over time, and, and you can tell me how to combat this, is you always seem to get the perfect PC setup, and then in a year they'll release another game that needs a bit more power. So then you have to like become a, an expert at dealing with RAM and stuff. I don't really know what <laughs> yeah. it is. I'm a bit scared of the tech, so I'm guessing that means that you're quite capable <laughs> at tackling that. You would think, yeah. No, I uh, I think this is partly why I play a lot of retro games because they don't take up a lot of space on the PC. And I think, yeah, a lot of games, they still hold up today. And I think you can still discover a lot of really, really good games that have been made in the last 20 years that you can still kind of, you know, enjoy nowadays that you might have missed at the time. So um, one of the games that I've been playing recently, it's quite amusing, like I um, um, discovered Shamui. I never discovered it at the time. But um, just because there are talks about Chinese characters in the game, uh, while I was looking for Chinese material related to my work, like some kind of little short videos related to the game came up and I discovered it that way and I ended up playing Shenmue. And um, yeah, no, I think, you know, I, I, I didn't even know about this game at the time. I don't know where I was, but I do think a lot of games that were... Um, made around the kind of late 90s, early noughties, I'm still discovering and I think, you know, I'm, <laughs> I think there's still games that, yeah, I could, I could play and enjoy as much today as some of the new ones that are coming out. Thanks to Kerry Allen for being on the podcast. And if you enjoyed this episode, then make sure you subscribe so you can get the whole series. We're back into the swing of things now, so we'll be updating as often as we can. And if you're a personal friend of Kerry's and you're listening, then make sure you leave a review saying that this was the best episode of the series so far. Of course.
Well, I'll catch you next time here on the Naked Gaming Podcast, where we're reviewing Deathloop and FIFA 22. Time for a mic drop. And now a mic pickup. Ants. They're organised, industrious and hungry. But in the undergrowth, there's no such thing as a free lunch. Empires of the Undergrowth is a fast-paced ant colony management game developed by Slug Disco Studios. Underground, you build your nest, construct tunnels and store food. On the surface, your ants claim territory, gather resources and clash with other colonies. Head to thenakedscientist.com forward slash empires game for more. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.